So when yeah. a project fails, then the first thing that happens uh, is that you know the project manager, who is the one in charge, uh, he gets uh, invited to some meetings with some senior stakeholders, and then you yeah. feel like you're on trial, uh, yeah. you know, and you have to justify yourself now. What have you done? Right? Yeah. Uh, and which is which is nonsense, right? Uh, because uh, most of the time. It's not even a people problem. It's a process problem, yeah. right? And there's a lot of uh, bottlenecks in organizations, which which possibly lead them to failures, right? Or yeah. administrative barriers, all kinds of things, right? Uh, or the project management framework, right? Uh, yeah. Nobody looks at it because just people are focused on people, yeah. Uh, and that that's kind of uh, uh, which which obviously is 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 a problem for this kind of to for people actually to open up and speak about their failures, right? What will you do to unlock innovation? In today's fast-paced world, innovation might not be enough. Tomorrow's pioneers of change will need to be agile, able to adapt, and committed like never before. Your host, Santa Vending, invites you to listen in and join business leaders from around the world as they share their visions for success in our future business challenges. Welcome to Mind Innovation. I'm your host, Senna Vinding. I'm always excited to learn. And in today's podcast, we're going to talk about the data-driven world, about the overflow of information and how this affects project leaders in running projects in an effective way. I want to welcome Marcus Globas. He has almost three decades of international experience in technology-driven project. He's a project and change leadership coach and facilitator, helping teams to future-proof their ways of delivering and manage projects. So welcome, Marcus. I'm excited to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Sana. Good. So um, process, right, or data and stuff like this. So you, the process of using data allow people to make much better decisions. And companies should focus on creating this data culture, if that's what you want to call it. So from your side, what are some of the challenges that the company are looking at? Is it technology? Is it awareness? Is it ownership? What's, what's the challenge? Um, yeah, I mean, I just as, uh, as a further, I mean, you mentioned already in your introduction, right? I, I come from a project management space. Um, so, and there we talk a lot about data-driven projects or data-informed decision-making and projects. Uh, so I'm focused on that particular area. Uh, and where I identified a few challenges, uh, which probably also apply in many other areas, right? Uh, but mainly, I would say, whenever we hear data-driven or data-informed decision-making or anything around data analytics and leveraging new technologies to assist us with um, uh, decision-making to get better at it, we focus a lot usually on technologies, right? On the technical details, how to implement this, right? And then yeah. how do we actually leverage the data? How do we uh, get it into the funnel, basically, right? Uh, uh, leveraging the relevant data, et cetera, right? Yeah. This is obviously one particular aspect of it. And uh, obviously there are also certain challenges, but my focus usually is, because I think it actually precedes this whole discussion about the technicalities, uh, is actually the culture and the behaviors of people uh, who are actually creating that data mainly, right? Yeah. Uh, especially in project management. So when we yeah. talk about project management and leveraging data for insights, then this usually means that we are leveraging 
data from, from the past, so from historical projects, to get some insight out, insights out of it. So for example, uh, we had some special type of projects that we ran in the past, and we want to understand what kind of risks are usually happening there, what kind of issues are we facing in these kind of initiatives, uh, or what kind of solutions usually would apply? What are the best practices, right? Yeah. Uh, and there we would apply then certain analytics to, to find patterns, et cetera, which is all great. And uh, there are a lot of people thinking about how to actually do that from a technical point of view. So as I mentioned, there are certainly some elements uh, that could be challenging as well. Uh, but the first question really is, uh, how good is actually the data? Yeah. But, uh, and that's created by, in this particular case, by, by project management professionals uh, and, and other people in that space, obviously. But the question is, how, how good is that data? Uh, how truthful is that data? How transparent are we? How complete is that data? Yeah. But uh, it's not always the case uh, that actually everything gets captured in data or digitally. Yeah. And then you just take that forward and... Uh, use it for uh, improved decision-making, right? So yeah. this is one thing, uh, especially this uh, from an organizational cultural, culture point of view, there are obviously a lot of politics uh, in, in the play and uh, some other behaviors where we want to position ourselves. And then often it happens that, you know, we, we kind of hiding things here and there, which is very, very natural. Yeah. Right? So I always compare that to, to my son, actually, who is, uh, you know, when he comes from, from school and he brings a, a bad school exam or, or a good school exam, yeah, that's obviously a difference in behavior, right? Yeah. Uh, he won't uh, talk about it, no. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Then he's hiding certain things. Very, very natural, very human, yeah. happens everywhere, right? Yeah. Uh, but then the question is, what does it make with our data and how much yeah. insights and value we're actually getting out of the data? So that's one thing. Yeah. And the other thing is actually, are we even uh, keeping our data, right? How are yeah. we, uh, you know, there's a term called dark data, you know, where data is just thrown onto organizational infrastructure and it's never seen again or at least not touched again yeah. Uh, yeah. because it's somewhere hidden in some SharePoint folders or yeah. anywhere, right? Because there's no proper organization or, or we just keep it just to... Uh, just in case, right? Yeah. Uh, and in project management, a lot of data that would be of real high value, so all what we produce in projects, yeah. and a lot of effort has been put in into this, then once a project is over, it's usually like we just throw it somewhere, uh, wherever, you know, SharePoint, local folders, whatever, uh, and then nobody finds it anymore, right? So and to the then, next project. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then we lose that data. So how do you want to actually then leverage data if you're just throwing it away? Yeah. So it's just some paradox, right? So yeah. that, that uh, these are kind of things uh, that obviously also should go into some 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 sort of a data strategy in, uh, of some sort and all the processes that need to be aligned there. Uh, but as I said before, there's also a cultural element yeah. To, to bring in or to adjust and to align uh, because when we talk data, then it implies that there's also some transparency and truthfulness from people. And yeah. that's usually 
one of the biggest challenges, I think, because of these elements that I mentioned, like politics, etc. Yeah, I, I worked on a project one time to um, to investigate, to look at the data, to say how mm. long are these, you know, the projects from from the you had the scope to actually to you launch the product mm. and, and define each phase and ask all the questions to say, you know, why was it delayed? Right. Comparing to this was the plan. What actually mm-hmm. then happened? And in the beginning, when I talked to the product owners, they were like, they, as you just said, right? They didn't want to tell too much because nobody matched the plan that you, you put out that first time and saying, oh, yeah, it will take four months. And then we have this new product. Something always got delayed. Um, mm-hmm. and, and some of the observations was to say the scope changed, the scope changed so many times. Um, so, so, Definitely right there. There was something there to say. Okay, let's be better, right? Let's improve that, or let's look into saying what was actually going on. Um, but what I experienced was the in the beginning the trust, right? Why is she asking all these questions, right? Um, is it bad or is it good? So, so from from your side and been working with a lot of companies, how how do you establish that trust when you go in and ask all these questions? Um, yeah, that's a very good question, right? Uh, because as as you said, right, people really don't often they don't want to disclose things, right? Because it could, I mean, let's say I'm I'm a project manager, yeah. and obviously I want to have a good track record, right? And yeah. I want to probably grow in my company. I want to climb the the corporate ladder there uh, and 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 become whatever title it is, right? Uh, Etc. But I I want to grow, right? So yeah. I want to have a clean record, uh, and I want to have just like the wall success showing up. So um, uh, when people ask me, for example, oh, how did you, and I mean, I delivered some projects um, that, that were successful. And then people ask me, how did you do this? And, and et cetera, right? Yeah. And then you know, we run even some sessions where you can present uh, your success story and all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Which is uh, obviously everybody wants this uh, because then you're in the spotlight. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, yeah, that's me, right? I did that, of course, right? Just like I said, right? It's like my son who comes home with a good yeah. school, right? He does all that. Um, and then, uh, I mean, why not just doing the opposite, right? Yeah. I mean, you had, you had the you had the miserable project it was it was just like a disaster, right? Yeah. So I mean, just go there and present your stuff, right? What yeah. happened, right? The thing is, uh, you know, it always gets associated with I mean, failures get always associated with people directly, right? So yeah. when a project fails, then the first thing that happens. Uh, is that you know the project manager, who is the one in charge, uh, he gets uh, invited to some meetings with some senior stakeholders, and then you yeah. feel like you're on trial, uh, yeah. you know, and you have to justify yourself now. What have you done? Right, yeah. uh, and which is which is nonsense, right? Uh, because uh, most of the time, it's not even a people problem; it's a process problem, yeah. right? And there's a lot of uh, bottlenecks in organizations, which which possibly lead then to failures, right? Or yeah. administrative barriers, all kinds of things, right? Uh, or the project management framework, right? Uh, yeah. Nobody looks at it because just people are focused on people, yeah. Uh, and that that's kind of uh, uh, which which obviously is 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 a problem for this kind of to for people actually to open up and speak about their failures, right? And that's actually needed to come back to your question. That's actually what would be needed to build trust, right? Yeah. That that you step up there and say, you know, we I have 
I mean, this project failed and yeah. I was a project manager, for example, right? Or, and then I explain you why that is. And then I give you all the details around this and what we should be, be uh, what we should do better in the future. Yeah. In project management, you usually call it lessons learned, but you want to get over this as quick as possible yeah. uh, because nobody wants to talk about failures. Yeah. So uh, from a leadership point of view, uh, we call that authentic leadership, right? Where, where people actually not show up, I mean, leaders not show up as a, as a perfect leaders uh, who just have a very clean and perfect track record of success. Yeah. Uh, but they actually show, show up and say, uh, actually, I'm wrong. I, I did a mistake here. And uh basically open up about their imperfections kind of right and yeah. then this will actually lead to build more trust from yeah. uh, subordinates right and and other peers right it's obviously easier said than done oh yeah uh, but it's uh it's a beginning i would say so uh, and i would say to really make it work it's it's much more it's the whole process uh that usually is established already in uh, bigger organizations especially like these performance cycles and performance reviews right and you set your goals at the beginning of the of the year uh, in terms yeah. of how you should what you should achieve etc which is all great right it's just like uh, i don't think it's really properly working uh, because then people just try to tick off things yeah. uh, and try to do everything to to accomplish this, uh, but completely overlook that failure is is something that we should kind of even also use as as some sort of goal, right? Because that's something that gives growth, right? So if you don't it's, fail, it's you try, right? Grow, Different. Right? Different. You looked at different options, right, or different ideas, and you need yes. to have some failures to get a good one. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I mean, how can I mean? Uh, I mean, we all failed, right? I mean, uh, it's uh, there's always failure in there. I mean, uh, I actually had recently. Um, uh, I did a presentation uh, on 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 resilience and, and project management, and yeah. I, I like to use that analogy, right? You know, uh, I used to do surfing. 20 years ago, a long time yeah. back. And um, you know how when, when you do surfing, you actually go out there with your board, right? Uh, when, uh, and then you obviously, to get out there, you have to confront those waves and yeah. get below it. And then you actually have to get on the board. It's a, it's a long thing to learn, right? Yeah. And I was a, a, a beginner, actually. I, I still am kind of. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> um, it took me forever uh, to actually get with my feet on the on the board, right? So yeah. you have to fail first to actually accomplish something. So, yeah. and this needs to be realized, right? So uh, obviously we we all are, are learning, but you know, in terms of having some uh, accomplishments, you have to fail. Only this is completely forgotten, and when, when you set your goals and performance, etc. Yeah. Uh, it would be nice to actually have something like uh, how often did you fail? Great, right? There's some some you get some learning out of this, right? Uh, and then then you accomplish something in the end. It's obviously uh, again, right? It's all like uh, just thrown out there. But uh, what I'm saying is this whole process of of uh, performance reviews, as they are set right now in organizations or in most organizations, 
uh, that causes kind of uh, jealousy. It causes politics. Uh, yeah. It causes mistrust, right? Because people just look at each other, right? Oh, and then, you know, look at, you know, why this guy is just getting a promotion and I didn't, right? Uh, yeah. And then, you know, as I said before, people try to hide things. They're just, they're, uh, you know, for example, I want to get promoted. I do everything uh, yeah. to get it done, right? And then I start hiding things again, coming back to the hiding information yeah. on data, et cetera, right? And I, I, I work my way through probably with also having some political initiatives running there uh, just to get it through, right? Uh, yeah. and, and this is how this whole system in many organizations is still set up, yeah. right? Yeah. To, to actually have this kind of uh, ways of... Um, yeah, not saying uh, mistransparency or politics and this kind of things. And this, this I think, uh, is also something that needs to get addressed to yeah. make it really work in terms of building trust. Yeah, you should be awarded, right, for how many times you failed. <laughs> so you actually will share it. <laughs> yeah, in, in a way, yes, obviously, yeah. it's, uh, we're making this it's right it's now, right? But uh, uh, the point is we should not, uh, I mean, we should not ignore it, right? Yep. No, right. failure is kind of seen like, oh, I don't want to. It's like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, we don't want to talk of, about no, it. No, it's right? part of innovation and then getting there. So, yes, so to exactly. change this, right? It's a whole, you know, as you're saying, it's a transformation for, for a company, right? Or for an organization. But I've seen, and I'm sure you've seen that as well, that if, if you have a project, sometimes if there is somebody who's not always falling behind, but in, in not making the you know the timeline uh, um, is that then suddenly right the louded voice in the room suddenly either get the attention or getting ahead of somebody else or another project because now they need that prototype to get fixed or built um, mm -hmm. but but just because they're loud right then suddenly they come in front of that instead of they're looking and setting the data right which project is actually most critical which one should we follow um, mm -hmm. so the whole transformation on how you is it the louded voice in the room that gets the attention or is it actually the data that you should look at? How mm -hmm. do you, how, that, that, that has to be a balance because not every time is data, right? You, you need to be human as well. How do you, how do you juggle the, the, this kind of dilemma? Yeah, yeah that, that's a very good point. Uh, and there are, there are various dilemmas actually. Uh, I mean, it all leads to that we have to balance this properly, right? Between yeah. uh, data uh, and then also on the other side, we have obviously some human experience and insight that we're producing right yeah uh, and and usually what you find in organizations you have uh, kind of the, the old-fashioned uh, decision makers who reject data altogether now what is what is this data you know i'm yeah i'm here 30 40 years in the organization you know i'm, I'm well experienced i, I yeah. know it all so don't come here with your data uh and yeah and, and uh, which then tells me that i'm wrong how can that be right that's yeah. that's one extreme yeah, that's the one extreme that you have. But on the other hand, uh, you actually have uh, what's usually called the, or what I call, kind of the 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 um, the data activist, right? Uh, so it's really analytics uh, focused. Yeah, who claims and really like like data uh, is a single source of truth, right? Yeah. Which. Uh, especially in project management, I, I think that doesn't exist. There's no single source of tr uh, truth in terms of data. So it's, uh, 
and you identify those people when you, for example, you are in meetings and decision where decisions need to be made. And then this uh, one person speaks up and says, oh, but the data says, right? The data says this and that, right? Yeah. This is, this is very, very dangerous. It should tick off all the alarm bells uh, because that means this, this person really just focusing on data ignores completely human experience, right? Which is still very, very valid. Yeah. including uh, you know intuition as well right all these kind of elements um uh, uh, are very important so i mean this there you have to obviously find um, the balance right but coming back to your question how to um, how to achieve that it is obviously again uh, some some more cultural thing right uh, which i see it this way that I mean, obviously, we have to become aware that, especially in project management, you, you can see that, that many projects are failing and many decisions are actually being made just like uh, uh, without any foundation, really, because yeah. we're simply lacking uh, insights, right? We, we reached a point where uh, we, you know, the human experience is just simply not enough anymore uh, or yeah, our experience, our intelligence is simply not enough anymore. We need more information, right? That's why I'm saying we need to become informed or data informed in our decision making. Yeah. And why is that? I mean, it has to do with this whole uh, digitalization. And I mean, the growth of data is insane. Uh, yeah. We all know this and how fast this is all changing, right? So yeah. it becomes all much more volatile so that you now whatever we knew was valid yesterday it's it's outdated today right uh, and uh, we have to get this awareness right uh, but uh, you can prove that by actually going through the decisions how the decisions have been made right and on what foundation and then you see the outcomes and uh, me as a project management uh, focused person uh, you find a lot of proof there uh, how many decisions were going wrong yeah. And you see it also in project success rates because project management is a decision-making discipline, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and that's based on, on, on critical decisions. If you do them wrong, then your project eventually will fail. Uh, so uh, uh, when you get that awareness, then you realize that you know, data has some value, but it should not be like taken as as I said before, as a single source of truth, right? You have, yeah. you have to mix it up because there are, uh, there are gaps, right? Uh, we have gaps in our, you know, capabilities to consume all this kind of information out there, which is relevant for proper decision-making, yeah. while data is also gaps because it's missing, uh, you know, emotional intelligence or any people-focused uh, views uh, uh, and any uh, more tacit knowledge, right? Which is not captured in data. Yeah. Uh, so you have to uh, obviously build that, right? Uh, but the first thing is really like to build that awareness to actually make that happen. And then uh, ultimately, when you um, include data, then we should not trust this, right? Uh, I see it this way that we have data on one side uh, and we have our human experience on the other side. And we uh, we disprove each other or try to disprove each other. Whatever data or insights we get out of data and analytics, yeah. we try to disprove it, right? Uh, and the other way around the same thing. And then you basically then kind of find the, the middle way uh, between 
the biases that are existent on both sides, right? On data side and on our human side. And, and you kind of build that balance. It's uh, obviously, again, it's it's easier said than done. Oh, yeah. uh, it needs to go through several iterations actually to 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 kind of train that, right? Yeah. And build up this also that awareness at the beginning. Uh, but I think that is not only worthwhile, it's actually desperately needed. Yeah. So um, I, I really like that. It, it's, you know, it is to find that balance and it's not as easy as, as you said. It's, it's, it always yeah. sounds easy, right? Um, but if you look around, I think now there's so many tools and the technology, right? There's like an overflow of data. It's just, and companies is like, oh, we need to just collect all the data. How do you control it? Um, what's what's the, because again, right, you can be overwhelmed and then you're drowning and yeah. then nothing, you know, didn't help you at all. So how, how do you control it? Yeah, that, that that's another good question because that's that's exactly what, what often happens, right? Many many people as organizations, even they, they think like, you know, just, just, you know, let's get data driven, right? It's, it's yeah. a funny thing. And then let's just let the data in. It, it feels like you're just opening the floodgates, right? Yeah. And then, then you're just overwhelmed <laughs> by and data. Then like right? we did it, right? We're agile. We're like everything. We're collecting data. No. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and, and the risk is uh, obviously that, that we become also too dependent on data uh, yeah. and, uh, try to look up all kinds of information and data for our decision making, which is another um, um, challenge in itself. Anyway, but uh, the 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 thing is, uh, you know, data is is uh, coming back to the balance, right? We have to actually not we cannot forget these two elements, right? We have our human experience and intelligence, and we have data, so uh, we cannot. Uh, make it this way that we have like a decision to be taken. Then okay, let's let's look at all the data. If you're just opening the floodgates and look at all kinds of information that is relevant, you have some endless ocean of data yeah. and information that you have to consume. And uh, where would that end up? Um, it would end up in complete paralysis, right? Where you just yeah. don't take any decision at all because uh, you're you're seeking more and more data, right? And and uh, you try to find more and more. And that's not the purpose or the the, the point of of uh, becoming data informed, right? You should first of all uh, actually not even look at data or seek data, right? Let's say, uh, for example, you're uh, you're you're trying to find a solution for. Um, I mean, let's let's maybe find some good example. Um, I mean, let's say you just want to get to into. Uh, uh, supermarket, right? You want to buy something, just to take some very simple example. Yeah. Um, uh, that's your problem. And you want to find data you know, how to get there, for example, right? Yeah. Uh, to to what uh, what route to take, right? Uh, and and what, what street, maybe you have to take public transport or whatever, or take the car, right? You want to collect data uh, to inform you what is the best rule. It's like a navigation system in your car, right? Yeah. So, uh, so, so you you put in like, uh, what should I do, right? Uh, and you're asking basically or seeking data to inform you on the best route, right? So that if that's your best, uh, your initial uh, approach to address that problem, then you're already biased. You're already flawed in your decision-making because you're, you're maybe not even addressing the proper problem. So yeah. first thing is really like to, to think first and let our intelligence uh, 
yeah, get to work, right? Yeah. If we're even looking at the right thing, no, okay, uh, why even uh, going to the supermarket? What is the reason why I want to buy whatever? Well, yeah. maybe there's another means to do that. Uh, maybe I can get some home shopping, right? So I can actually get that delivered, right? There are various options, right? Yeah. So that's where you actually start narrowing that down. And then with this, with this narrowing down, you're actually looking at Uh, different data sets you're looking at actually you narrow down your your scope for the data yeah, yeah. Uh, and that this way actually you reduce the amount of data that you're actually um, consuming in the end and that's what i call usually that's the difference between seeking data and discovering right so uh so seeking data is really like you're focused on something and you just need desperately data to actually inform an already made decision kind of because you're saying you want to go to the supermarket and you want the data to actually uh, tell you how to uh, how to do that right but yeah. the decision to go to the supermarket is already taken right yeah. uh, uh, while you're actually not even looking at the right problem so uh, what i'm saying is uh, not only looking at not only misusing data Uh, and, and just throw out the problem and, and thinking that data is solving uh, everything for us, there's still some human thinking to be done and some intelligence to be done to actually narrow down the problem. And actually in decision-making, you call that um, a problem framing, right? You, yeah. you actually uh, define the problem and then you frame the problem. So you narrow your scope yeah. for the problem. And with this, you actually use data and then to to inform you uh, but not really just to uh, guide you or in terms of what the problem actually is yeah yeah i like i like yeah the, the discovery there to say you know what's what's the options that, that's that's a good way of getting getting started what yeah. about skill set to be a project manager um has that changed over the last couple of years now with all this data driven information as well and discovery um Yeah, a uh, good question. I mean, I think uh, essentially it has not, I mean, when we talk data, you know, many people say then, you know, it has to be like a data-driven project manager or we have to yeah. data-centric or whatever. I actually would leave out the whole element of data because again, right, uh, I think that kind of implies already like project yeah. management is just like a, a data-driven discipline, which it isn't, right? Uh, data is there to inform us and to support us in our decision making so i would rather say uh, or coming back to your question what in terms of skill sets uh, uh, project managers need to be more open uh, to so also in terms of innovation because especially in project management uh, i would say uh, there's a standstill for for i don't know not even for five years or so i think for 20 30 years at least yeah. uh, nothing is really happening uh which is which is insane uh we haven't really made much progress there um so there definitely needs to be some some change in in how we operate in in projects yeah. we have to become more uh, innovative and look up more this be it like data analytics or technology in general uh or anything actually basically that that is more experimental let's say right so because yeah. we try out things and then see how that works and maybe we abandon some things uh, and then uh, we we take forward some other techniques or methods like data driven or data informed project management right but uh, we are kind of still 
operating in a very, very outdated way, I would say. Actually, you now coming back to the to the previous example or metaphor with the uh, with the navigation system in the car. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like like uh, some time back, uh, we didn't have any navigation system. We had these <laughs> paper maps, right? And yeah. uh, look up the street uh, and and <laughs> drive here there, and then we may uh, run into risk uh, to get some into some accident because we're looking at, at the map. <laughs> And then uh, we probably didn't even reach our destination on time because we ran into some traffic jams or the, the yeah. map was outdated, uh, construction uh, along the way, all kinds of stuff can happen, right? And today we have this intelligence there, yeah. uh, which informs us about, uh, you know, whatever uh, is, is happening on, on that route and what is the best, the fastest route. It tells you even how much time you would need, uh, which yeah. we are as human beings, we are horrible at that. You know, when I say, uh, uh, you know, I want to be there in 10 minutes, uh, then this is probably, I mean, whatever location right now, uh, I, I get there in 10 minutes and this is probably way too optimistic and I would need one uh, half an hour or so, right? Yeah. In project management, we are constantly too optimistic. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what I'm saying is in terms of coming back to this uh, example with the navigation system, I think in project management, we are still operating with the paper map. Okay. Uh, oh, that's very outdated, right? Uh, very risky. Uh, yeah. That's why we have also a lot of project failures. Yeah. Uh, and so in terms of skills, we need to look out for new ways of doing it. And I feel kind of, because we we are in this dilemma already way too long. I think many people are just uh, um, operating in the way of, yeah, okay, uh, it is as it is, right? I mean, for the last 20 years or 30 years or whenever we started even working in project management, it is, has been always this way, right? And we yeah. do our best. We we follow the process. It is as it is. So uh, what can we do, right? Uh, and people kind of settled with this almost, right? That's how I feel when I follow these surveys from uh, the Project Management Institute, PMI. Yeah. You actually will find that uh, the 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 success rates, uh, they are uh, actually not really looking good. Uh, and there's going up and down, although I'm not even trusting those rates there. Uh, but anyways, um, it looks like or it feels like that that many people just settled with this, right? And yeah. uh, that that's kind of the problem. So coming back to your question in terms of skills, uh, people need to be more innovative, more open to yeah. improve things and definitely have to have the drive to improve. There's, yeah. there's a need to constantly improve. Our world today is changing way too fast Yeah, uh, that we can just uh, uh, build something, some new approach to project management. Let's say we take this whole data thing right now forward, right? We come data and we implement this. Okay, done. We are settled for the next five years. We are good. No, forget it, right? We have yeah. you have to present. <laughs> yeah, it's a circular yeah. economy, right? We yeah. have to uh, uh, continue to progress and improve and uh, discover new ways of getting better, right? Yeah. Uh, because uh, everybody else is doing that as well, right? In, in other business areas, so project management is not an exception here. We have to actually 
um, be very open and open also for innovation quite a lot. Really? Wow. So um, I like your, you know, the, the example with the map and then saying the navigation, navigation. I think that's, that's a really good way of looking at it. I, I always love examples. Um, so you had a lot of data points now, right? So if you, you know, where you are now, if you had to turn back and give yourself an advice like 20 years ago, what will you tell yourself? Um, yeah, another good question. Like 20 years ago, if I think back, um, I was not yet in project management. Um, yeah. It was about five years later then. Uh, but I was in, in software development uh, and uh, yeah, was uh, was working in, in yeah with the languages that we probably don't know anymore today. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, what would I say to myself or as advice? Um, um, I mean, I probably would have done a much better, I mean, a more consciousness, I would say, uh, to be more conscious of what's happening in the world. Because uh, today we are saying it's all so f uh, moving so fast, right? Yeah. And definitely it's, it's, it's moving much faster than ever before, you know, all uh, with technology evolving at fast. And, and I mean... You know, we have these these kind of things here today with podcasts, which yeah. didn't exist back then. Uh, so everything in communication-wise, everything became much faster, right? So uh, thinking back, uh, we we didn't have this, uh, but there are a lot of um, lessons I think uh, that we can learn from from which I actually tell my 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 son he's 11 years old uh, yeah. uh, I, I tell him this right uh, how how the world actually operated back then right uh, because you're actually uh, going more consciously through the world I I think right and I think I should have listened probably more often to my parents <laughs> who said the exact same thing to me right <laughs> so 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 to answer your question I think I would have my advice would be to be more conscious about what we're having yeah. uh, and, and how the world operates and, and uh, uh, what things actually mean. Like, uh, as I said, my, my son, he's, for him, it's very natural to go online, to go onto the internet and this yeah. kind of things, right? Yeah. And, and uh, not long ago, that didn't exist, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's similar, you know, when, when uh, uh, I came into touch with computers the first time, right? Uh, then that was a very natural thing for me. Uh, and was just that's um, the normal thing, but uh, you know, and, and we forget things very quickly. Uh, so I think it's it's important to to be more conscious uh, um, about certain things uh, because that that kind of gives us a more a better perspective yeah. uh, on, on the reality. I think. Yeah. Yeah, take some time to reflect on it as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So uh, we have a lot of great listeners. So if anybody wants to reach out to you, how how can they connect with you? Yeah, I think the easiest would be. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, happy to connect. Uh, uh, if you want to reach out and uh, send a request, uh, happy to connect, uh, and even to to yeah exchange some ideas uh, if if you want. Uh, otherwise, I, I have my own website uh, where you can see a little bit more about what I'm doing uh, in project management specifically uh, and innovation topics uh, and data and how that actually can make a difference in projects. So yeah, these are the two channels, I think, which uh, would be the easiest to connect easiest with. Me. And I will make sure, you know, I'll put it in the show notes and I will also put it on the website on the, the innovation.com. 
um, so anybody can can reach out easy to you. So, Marcus, thank you so much. I think you know it's great to hear about the whole project managers and the innovation and the data and what to do and 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 also to hear that we need to do something right let's let's uh, let's check them a little bit no let's uh, let's be a little bit more in it you know perhaps bring in the innovation uh, on how we do project management so yeah. thank you yeah thank you thank you for having me thanks for listening to this episode of mind innovation podcast new episodes are dropping bi-weekly so make sure you're following wherever you get your podcast you can find me on LinkedIn, search for Santa Vending. You can also find me on YouTube, search for Mind the Innovation, or go to my website, sanavending.com or mindtheinnovation.com. Stay curious, keep learning. <laughs>